0: Welcome to the Mamas con Ganas podcast. That's Mamas as in, hey mama, y te traemos episodios para que tengas las ganas de motivarte, surgir y triunfar. Don't be a mama con drama, let's be Mamas con Ganas. I'm your host, Valentina Azara.
1: On this episode of the Mamas con Ganas podcast, I'm interviewing Salwa Owens, an entrepreneur. She's a fashion designer and the creator of Divine Sweat. Salwa is also an ascension guide, a speaker, and as she describes herself, a priestess of Jeshua. More on all of that to come. She also has a new podcast out right now called Wine and Spirits. Welcome, Salwa, to the Mamas Conganas podcast.
2: Thank you for having me. I am literally so excited. Like, I could not wait to talk with you. I don't even know why yet, but I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, gosh. So I, I literally, when I was
1: thinking about the fact that I was going to be interviewing you, you were the first interview of 2024. Oh. I was like, look, I'm getting goosebumps. I was like, what a more perfect person to interview then somebody that I believe embodies the divine feminine. This is how I, because I was thinking, how do I describe Selva? Well, for me, she just, she like embodies the divine feminine and like total goddess energy. And I'm like, yes, that's what we need in 2024.
2: <laughs> thank you. Well, you are a goddess yourself. I'm sure you know. And if not, I've just reminded you, you are.
1: <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I have so many questions for you because, okay, mamacita. So first of all, I want to say your Instagram I think it's like one of my top favorite accounts that I've ever come across. Because oh. when I see the stuff that you put out, like the footage and the energy behind it, every single time I see you in your fabulous getups, I mean, you are a fashion designer, but you mix that with like spirituality and you mix it also with like, uh, just, it's just, like I said, it's goddess energy. And every time I see you in one of those beautiful, cause you do these beautiful, like, um, mini movies, I would say like music videos and this divine goddess energy. And I'm literally scrolling through your thing going, yes, and yes, and yes. And And it's one of these accounts, you know, there's a lot of accounts that sometimes people think or people feel that like bring them down. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that yours is always one that I look at and it makes me feel so alive. So I want to say thank you.
2: You're going to make me cry. Well, you know, my whole intention with social, first of all, I'm not a content creator. I'm a life creator and the content will follow. It's just an expression of my life. And my rule of thumb really is it has to add value. And if I was to die tomorrow and that was the last thing that I shared with the world, I would be proud from like my other realm. I'd be like, yep, that was authentic expression. So, and I love beauty. So that, yeah, it's you know, I try to create beautiful, things experiences life, but it's really more about somehow adding value and giving my frequency life. And that's just a, the a virtual portfolio of my life that hopefully one day I'll look back at the journey and be proud of and make true, authentic connections with people such as yourself. And that only happens with true, authentic content that is a reflection of your life, not fabricated because you need to post stuff. If you don't have anything to say, don't say anything. Go support other people that are posting.
1: Yes. No, I love it. And then obviously, You know, people that have been listening to me, my mamacitas, know that I'm a dancer as well, and you're a dancer, and you have um, your Divine Sweat creation, which tells us a little bit. Let's stop there. Tell us a little bit about Divine Sweat, because I see you posting that in, and it's like emergence. Tell us about that. So
2: Divine Sweat is essentially the evolution of my dancing life. I did grow up dancing, like a lot of little girls. I did some ballet, some tap did all that and then took a break and then danced through high school and college. And then I created something called fierce fitness during my fashion career because I, I had attachment issues to the word fierce. Everything was fierce. So I'm like fierce fitness and it was cardio dance and it was great. But as I stepped into my evolution and started having all my awakening moments, my guide started showing me a new way to offer dance and bridging my energy work and the healing and the dance. And I'll be honest, I didn't answer the call right away. This was around 2020. And I was a little bit like, can I do this? I haven't seen it been done like this before. And they were like, you will do this because it hasn't been done like that before. And I sat with it and I ended up breaking my foot, running away from a snake, which come to learn I have past life connection with snakes and that they hold a lot of my power. So I was running away from my power. And I had to have foot surgery, all these things. I was down. And I was like, you know, I I had a chat with my guides, prayer, meditation, whatever you want to call it. And I was like, listen, you guys help me out of this one. I promise I will report to mission and I will waste no time. And the opportunity came up for me to apply to do a workshop at, I don't know if you've heard of, we all grow summit, but that was. Somebody sent me an application. They're like, they're taking workshop applicants for healing. You should apply and do your dancing. And I was one of what, 200 applicants. I was still recovering from surgery. And I'm like, I'm going to apply. And if I get it, I will know this is divine orchestration that it's time to step up. So I got it. I had eight weeks between surgery, recovery, and walk again, work out again, create this thing. And I did it. I showed up and it was like showing up for my graduation orchestrated by the divine that I didn't know was coming to level up my dancing. So, you know, divine sweat really is the graduation of the little girl that loved to dance to now the woman that wants to help the other goddesses rise. It's just, it's a new, new rise into what I've been doing my whole life, which we all I think are here to do. Essentially, we have our core archetypes and we can't keep rising them. We keep showing up in a new way. So divine rise is my newest baby. (laughs) I love that. And you have a
1: you have something coming up in February with Divine Sweat, right? Can you tell us about that? Yeah,
2: I do these, I call them activations. They're not workshops, they're not classes, they're activations. You are going to show up and you're going to leave activated. And the, you know, based on the feedback I receive, I know that we are doing some tremendous work. And I it starts with meditation, guided meditation, so you can wake in your energy centers and really understand what you're moving. The connection between mind, body, soul is important when you do work like this. Then we go into the dancing. It is a tone up from the soul up and I do want to give you a workout. So I do raise that heart rate. We do a lot of dancing. We really push the body and then we close with energy healing circle. And so I call them activations. I do them in Denver. I probably produce my own about every six weeks and I'm, you know, I bring it to other people's retreats, summits, whatever. So if anyone's watching, you want some divine sweat, we travel.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. I could totally see this becoming like the new, like orange theory. Oh, or like oh. a bicycling thing, like something that's like put everywhere. Because I feel like so many women would be attracted to something like that. You know, we it's like you get your energy out, you dance, you have creative expression. And at the same time, you're connecting to source, you're connecting, you're like meditating. So yeah. it's like a, an all-in-one, right?
2: You get primal. Like I'm talking raw. I'm talking, I'm going to have you yelling, singing, things that you didn't know that like a a woman in her power should do like why would a woman in her power rage well why would a woman in her power not rage because she's got energy to move and she's got lineages of family members that she doesn't even know to heal and it's her primordial obligation to show up and rage and heal and express and do all the things so that's what that space really was created for
1: okay now i want to i want to take you from there because you said something about energy like right making your energy move and I read that you do energy work. For those of us that don't know anything about that, can you explain what what does that mean? Like, what does it mean to do yeah. energy work and how can that help us in our lives?
2: Yeah, well, energy work can be so many different things because we are energy and everybody has their preferred modality to connect with their energy self. I know that there's a lot of, you know, certifications and trends such as like Reiki or, you know, some people will do breath work and that's their energy work. My particular energy work really came from a remembrance and an activation of work that I know I've been here on this planet and off this planet doing before. And it wasn't until I did enough work on myself that I started doing work with my hands and even channeling codes that I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel the energy. It is working. It is helping people heal. And I just can only call it energy work. I cannot define it too much I can't put a label on it people like is that what do you do because like that was amazing and I like I'm such a different person I'm like it's energy work and like I said there's so many modalities that I don't want to put any modality above another but whatever resonates with your energetic body wherever you're at everyone's in such a different place that maybe if you're just now starting to spark curiosity and thinking of yourself as an energetic being then you start with meditation and you are already doing energy work Maybe you go to the next level where it's like, OK, I'm meditating and I'm feeling shifts in my energetic being and I want someone to help guide that energy. Maybe you have blockages. If you are one of these women, we'll say women because I, I like I'm talking to, you know, my mamas, but men, too, that goes in a room and just like shrinks and doesn't want to speak up because they don't want to rock the boat you probably have a throat chakra blockage and that is energy work. And there's so much that can be done to help clear that. And it's work that is beyond the the cognitive thinking. So you can go talk to a therapist, be like, I don't know why I can't speak up and I'm a people pleaser. But you can also go straight to the energetic being and start clearing that energy.
1: Now, I was listening to your first podcast episode. It's very interesting. And you walk us through what you called your archetypes. Yeah, one of the things that I, that came up for me as a question, because you describe your life as basically stepping into like one archetype in your life and then stepping into another archetype. For those of us that don't know what that means, like, well, first of all, like, how did you come in discovering your archetypes? And then second of all, like, did you, did you, is that something that you studied and that you discovered for yourself or something that somebody taught you?
2: No. So I'm very intuitive and I work very closely with my spirit team and so when I was preparing my first keynote and they told me you are going to give your story and I resisted that because I thought like someone's had it harder someone's more impressive why why my story who wants to hear that and I was given the download that through my archetypes is how I was going to illustrate the story of my life because that is a sacred mirror to other people's lives so yes I'm sharing my archetypes I have 7 but as I'm telling my story Everybody has their own archetypes. They showed up on this planet. You evolve those archetypes and they never leave you. And I can't say that anybody taught me that. It was a download. It's how I learn. I learn through receiving from the divine. And everything in that, my story, is really designed to help you start to see your story in that way. And as I was receiving, I'm like, oh my God, yeah, that's me. Oh yeah, that's me. And then, oh wait, that's still me. So I was in the unfolding at the same time. That is how I create. I kind of just receive my higher guidance and I take action. And then it's like, whoa, that was great. So I I love that they gave that to me, but I really do want other people to start seeing their archetypes because that is how you honor your divine design. They never leave you. And sometimes people will leave one behind, like somebody that might love, someone might be an artist and they might have had so much struggle in their life that they now think that the artist in them does not get the privilege of existing. But if that isn't your divine design, it is your... Primordial obligation, it is your divine design to honor that artist and transcend the darkness that made you want to put her away and give her life. And that is how you evolve and ascend and honor the God in you. That is your divine design.
1: Now, when when you describe your story, you start in the beginning. It was interesting how you were talking about feeling like you had a very sense like of closeness to source and to God. When you were very young, right? And you were living in Mexico, am I right?
2: Mexico City, yeah.
1: Mexico City. And you talk about like encounters with Jeshua, like speaking and communicating. And Jeshua, you're talking about Jesus,
2: right? Right. Yes.
1: You had that. And then you describe sort of going into another phase of your life where that, where you felt like, well, where is that connection that I once felt like I had to Jeshua? For people who are not, Let's say for people that are trying to tap into their spirituality or they feel like they've never been close. Like, what advice would you give them in order to be able to have a connection with with a guide? Let's see that they're they're They, they feel void of. Of yes, yeah, like you're saying your guide, because you say you have a guide team, but I feel like some people <laughs> have never like yeah. encountered even like a presence that, or like the presence that they feel that they connect with? What would, what would you give them as advice so that they feel more creative more connected to source?
2: Yeah. So that's a beautiful question. And, um, I would say that the first thing that can sometimes block that connection is our wiring to receive it in any one sort of way. So some people grew up, you know, I grew up Catholic and I, I loved church. I still, I love any place that people go to connect. I have love and respect for but it is important that we give ourselves our opportunity to create our own story. And one of the biggest gifts that I had is that I was seeing this light being, we had connection, we had telepathic communication. And so I knew because I saw that there was light beings and I knew what I was connecting with. And I knew that it was not like it was too vast and big and beautiful to be put in the constructs of a building or a book I knew because You can't deny what you feel and get to experience. Some people don't get that. And so they are looking for it within the construct of what they've been taught. A lot of your spirit guides are, they're waiting for you to ask. They're waiting for you to want to connect. When I do some of my circles, the amount of spirit guidance that is around and guides that are waiting to connect with the human. And I I can sometimes, when I do one on one sessions, I'm more so able to tap into me like, you have a spirit guide. And this is their name and they want to work with you and they want they and sometimes it's a past loved one that is now their spirit guide and it's great when it's a bigger circle i can't be matchmaker to all the guides but ask and be open to receiving in a way that maybe you weren't taught because when we try to fit something that like god god i mean god is like vast you can't put it in a definition so if you're trying to put this energy that is not meant to be defined and names or terms or rules that are defined, you're actually robbing yourself of the opportunity of the, all that is everywhere, all at once. So I would say if somebody is curious, like I know there's more out there. I know I have guidance. I'm not receiving what is going on. Ask and ask simple ask. Okay. I think I have guardian angels. Please show me the number seven sometime today or repeatedly angel numbers are real. They, they speak through numbers uh, or I want to see something orange. I want like ask for your signs and start being open to receiving. And those are baby steps and channeled writing is beautiful. Sometimes just asking a question and then writing the answer to yourself, being open to receiving it from your higher self before you know it, you are receiving information from your guides, but it's about creating the space that you haven't been taught that exists to receive this and and believing and not thinking it's crazy because miracles are not a thing of the past. And it used to be so accepted to talk about these miracles and, you know, Yeshua water to wine and all these things. And now like if you, someone talks about that, they're crazy or they're like too mystical woo woo. And they're, I don't know. It depends who you talk to, but evil. I, I, my family's still very in the Catholic box. So some of the things I do to them, it's like, And I'm just, that's divine. That's God. All I'm doing is freeing it from the construct of what I've been taught so that it can show up the way it's meant to show up for me.
1: You felt like it's something that you can't define, that you feel that it's expansive. And you felt like, you know, you can't define that in a building or in a book. Right. And it sort of seems like that was intuitive to you. But did you ever have any, because of your Catholic upbringing, I was brought up Catholic as well. I mean, I I still consider myself as a Catholic, even though I consider myself sort of expansive like you in the sense that there are things that I can't explain that I know are part of my spirituality that go beyond like what Catholicism dogma speaks about. But was there any part of you ever that felt like, I guess, the Catholic guilt or the shame?
2: (laughs) I never did. I had the beautiful invitation from the church to leave when I got a divorce, <laughs> I was I had a ministry. I had I was doing these he- healing blankets, and this is not me bashing the church. I prompt, I love anywhere you go to connect. Please go, and I love. But I was doing my healing blanket ministry, and there was this form sent out when they found out I was getting a divorce, and basically because I was getting divorced, I was no longer qualified to serve there. And part of me was like, God, I should be sad, but at a soul level, I felt so free. Like now I can take my ministry outside the building. And I made a decision out of love to honor my heart intelligence. I knew that that relationship was complete. I knew I wasn't honoring my ex anymore and we weren't rising together. So how can a decision made out of love cost me to be cast out of the place where people go to connect with God? It just didn't make sense to me. So to me, that was a very clear invitation that it's time to take this connection outside of this building and give myself permission to serve and connect in ways that maybe I wasn't taught. I think that if I hadn't made that choice, to get divorced. And if I hadn't faced, you know, the whole, you're a sinner and now you're going to go to hell. And like, I was like, okay, well, I know that's not true. So now I can officially put all of this in a box of things that don't all apply to me. And I love all of them. And I will, I'm doing this for them. And my rise is for everybody. And it, it is what it is. But I think that was the biggest invitation for me to, to break free and to rise my connection to a place that I probably might have stuck there a little bit longer.
1: Wow. That's like, first of all, you and I have a connection that you probably don't know about, but I I got it from listening to your podcast. One is that your divorce brought you back to Jesus, back to Jeshua. In my case, it was exactly the same. Interestingly enough, though, my story diverts in the sense that I actually got an annulment and I was able to get remarried through the Catholic church. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you say that, I feel like there are so many women. I've heard your story over and over about how they feel or not just women, by the way, men also, that once they get divorced, they feel this sense of rejection. And it's like, wait a minute, my life is better. My life is more spiritual. I'm feeling more connected to God than ever through my divorce, interestingly enough. And now I'm being rejected by the one place that I actually love. And and to put this into context for the mamacitas, I mean, you mentioned in your first episode that you were actually you actually wanted to, at one point in your life, become a nun. Is that true?
2: Yeah. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a nun because I was, I was seeing Yeshua and I was connecting. And I thought that was my calling because I had to put that connection into a box that was being taught to me. So I would see the nuns. I'm like, well, they, they're dedicating their life to God. I want to dedicate my life to God. I want to serve. It looks like that. And probably until I was I don't know, early teens, I wanted to be a nun and I wore my crucifix everywhere. And I had my little prayer book. I was committed. I had an altar in my room since I was five and that the nun thing I think was my way of putting my connection into a human story that could serve and was approved of. But you know, with the divorce thing, the beauty of it is, yeah, that, that was my reconnection with Yeshua at a deeper level and divorce makes people, Seem like outcasts, at least in the church. Who did Yeshua love? He loved the outcast. And so, really, yes. I mean, can we just bring that one home? So it's like yes. we- yes. oh my gosh. Yeah. So I I felt that was an important part of my story. I'm so grateful for it for my life, for my ex spouse, for my journey, because it brought me where I am today. And all I want to do is give a big and hug to anybody going through divorce. I actually recorded my next episode that I'm sharing, I think this week is on why divorce. And I've been so excited to get this out there because I think it needs to be heard from a whole other perspective. Um, And I think it's brave. So And you, you know, yours and your annulment and your remarrying the Catholic church, I think it's admirable because you, you kind of stepped up to do things in a way that honors people that love you and you love, but you're open to seeing a different way. And that's beautiful.
1: Yeah. Now I get this picture when you say that, when you said, you know, that it was basically your moment where you just stepped out and was like, well, now I'm taking this to a whole new level now that I'm not even sort of constricted by like, I get goosebumps. Now I'm not that I'm not constricted by this dogma or by this particular way of being, I'm going to literally make this into my, my own divine heaven on earth, which you also talk about on your, on your podcast. And yeah. I found very interesting and I don't know if I'm getting this right, but what I understood from what you were saying is that we're all called. We're all basically uh God images in this world. And we're called to basically live our own heaven on earth so now what I'm what I'm hearing like the the picture that you paint on your mind is now you've broken out of these barriers and now you're like okay well now I'm going to build
2: my real heaven on earth is that sort of what happened (laughs) and what is so important for people to know is that this heaven on earth is not like we've been dealt this easy life with everything it actually means that we've transcended our own hell on earth and that is how you get to your heaven on earth. You went to one end where you had to have your own pain and suffering, find and cultivate the beauty in that and create your heaven on earth. And you have harmonized all the light, the dark, all the feelings and created your heaven on earth. And that is what we're here to do and elevate Christ consciousness.
1: I love that. Now, for t- tell me what you, because when I read on your Instagram for the first time, Priestess of Jeshua, I was like, that was one of the first things that I was like, oh, yes, this girl and I are connected. Yes. Cause I'd never seen it written down, but I was bet. like, when I read that, I'm like, I guess
2: I'm that too. But for I, you, what does that mean? <laughs> I love that you asked that. Okay. So I did, um, I went to off the grid for a week long ayahuasca journey. And that was a massive energetic initiation for me that I did not know I was stepping into. I have a whole episode on that that I'm sharing. And a part of me was like, this is too much, but I don't care. It's my truth. Where and, where did you do that? Where did you do the retreat? If you don't mind me uh, asking. It was just me and my partner, Tony, with this indigenous couple in their land, uh, La Paz, Mexico. And it was, I did a lot of work before. And I will just say this: I, my guys told me my intention on that trip was, you're going to go um, claim your divine inheritance so you can help activate the masses. I'm like, okay, that sounds a little cocky. I'm going to go and tell them this is my intention. Like, who do you think you are? But okay. And I thought, this is just sounds like I'm here to get my crown and be like this bad bitch. that's going to activate the masses, but Hey, okay. I was put through this energetic, like plugged into otherworldly energy. And I passed my initiation. And on the last day, I won't go deep into that because that could be its own episode, but I, had my encounter with Yeshua and the light being Yeshua, I was called to go off on this tree area. And I asked the facilitator, I'm like, can I go over there? I'm being called over there. And I had already had the discussion with Yeshua. I'm like, I want a reunion with you and I want to sign and maybe send me a snake when it's done. (laughs) So I went off to the tree we had our encounter, and I I mean, if I start talking about that all blank ball because it's just a lot of heart energy, but I will say at the end, I heard this is what you are. and i I had all these flashes in my life from being a kid and my crucifix and seeing him in my altar and when I be I'm like it all made sense. and I, I'm not a labels person. I always wondered why people like give themselves names like that. I'm like, what? And I was told by my guide that I had to like announce it somewhere. And of course, to me, I'm like, all right, I put in my Instagram profile, because that's pretty bold to me. If I put this here, like a once fashion designer, or not, she's priestess of Yeshua, okay, she's going off the cuckoo's nest. I don't know. But putting it there, apparently to my guides, is going to help call in more of the people that carry similar coats. So that is something that I put there not fully understanding why they wanted me to claim that there i mean because i'm like i know who i am i know how i serve do i really need to put that there but apparently and you saying that it's like oh my god so it worked <laughs> but oh yeah I-
1: absolutely i read it i was like oh my god i think that's what i am it was almost like a recognition like a yeah. mirror does that make sense yeah.
2: yeah and also i saw my snake at the end of that encounter there was a black and white king snake coming at me and I and i was playing my shaman drum and i was like yep, that was it it is complete and just one more thing i love sharing these miracles i i told Yesh, i'm like i want a gift to remember this you ordained me like this is happening i need it i'm human i need a physical gift and he said it will come so i got back home like a little time passed and i felt the need to get a new shaman drum because i love using them at my activations. and we went to visit this drum maker and he had made this drum. And I was like, I love that drum. Can I have it? Like, can I buy it not have it? You yeah, know, they're, they're not just going to give you a drum. And I looked at the date when it was made. It was the same date that I was ordained as priestess of Yeshua. And I saw it. I want my gift. And he said it was coming. So, you know, everything, it's just as real as real gets to me. And I know that it it's its out there for some people that need, I don't know what they need. Because I have my sign. So I'm like, there's your sign. But yeah. So I, that is priestess of Yeshua. And basically what that means to me is I'm here to usher Christ consciousness, and that's not a one person job. So yeah, you're a priestess of Yeshua. Let's do it, sister. <laughs> do it. Let's do it. Oh,
1: And it's interesting because you put Jeshua instead of Jesus, which is also, Jeshua is my favorite name for
2: Jesus. But how did you,
1: uh, have, you all the, have you always called him
0: Jeshua?
2: Yeah, that is how he would make himself known to me. And I do have other past life incarnations with him. I've had Akashic readings and two of those lifetimes, I knew him as Yeshua. So when I learned that it all made sense. But even as a kid, I remember getting mad that they would call him Jesus. I'm like, this is not Jesus. It's Yeshua. Like what, why are they branding him like Jesus? So it's just how I've always known him. I did go through my period of conforming and calling him Jesus. But when I had my reunion, I'm like, okay, Yeshua is back. Yeshua is back. (laughs) I'm going to put that on a shirt. Yeshua's
1: back. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Okay. I'm going to ask you another question for people that have no idea. What is light? You, you also describe yourself as a light code activator. What does that mean? Is that also, is that also in line with your, with the Christ bringing the, what what is it? What did you call it? The Christ um, Christ consciousness. consciousness. Yeah. Does that, is that, is that together or is that something separate?
2: It is together, but it's a little bit bigger than that because Christ consciousness, it is an energy, but we also come from light star constellation families way beyond our civilization that we don't even understand. And we carry those codes in our DNA and in ourselves. And when I was... I was prompted by my guides to go off the grid again for another initiation. This was after I am like, you guys, I just did like this was a lot. like what what are we doing now? because i I'm open, but also like little now I know when you're getting initiated, it's it's work. And I got, you know, to keep it brief, um initiated into light code activation. And I started channeling light codes from the stars. and they come out through vibration. They come it's kind of like a vibration, like kundalini rising energy. It's coming down from your crown, and it's just like whoosh, through your mouth, and it's these codes that actually activate you at a cellular level that we carry that we don't even know we carry. And one of my biggest things with that is that like, this is sacred work. Right? and I do sometimes I'll go on social and I'll see people, you know, channel light language here, there, casually. This is sacred work, and I it was very instilled in me that this is work to be used in sacred space where the frequency supports it. But I have seen firsthand how healing and activated is beyond an understanding because it's speaking to the codes that we carry that we were made from like way back when we were just this like stardust energy of source and so i know that i carry that code activation ability and they told me it doesn't even have to be through channeling light codes it can be through speaking through dancing but you have to claim it and step into it and honor it so i do and a lot of this work i mean i will tell you firsthand I, I'm not meant to fully understand. And when I I worked, even I did a ceremony with my partner and, and I did work on him and he was like, so what are you like thinking? Or I'm like, I'm not thinking it's literally like just becoming a channel for the divine to work through me to at an energetic level and activate you so that you can evolve. And I don't have to understand it fully. All I have to understand is that it's sacred work. And that my job is to be a sacred, pure vessel to be able to bring that. That's all I have to understand.
1: That's so interesting. Yeah. People that are, let's say, wanting to step into this world. Because you mentioned you did an ayahuasca retreat. Like, what else have you done that has brought you closer to the type of work that you do now?
2: I've done like personally, I do a lot of solo ceremonies. I also do host retreats. Like I'm getting ready to host one in April for women in the desert. And, you know, the first thing that really people need to do is find places where they have to, where they can, they don't have to, where they can purify their channel. Sometimes people are in relationships with people, things, substances that are going to block their activation, their elevation. And That is such a big first step that gets overseen. So people can go spend all this money and do all this work, but it's like, what can you actually remove to purify yourself and your channel so that everything can start pouring in? Um, For me, you know, once I left my, my marriage, which it just was taking too much of my energy to calibrate to be in it, that really opened me up and I was born a little bit you know, I, I had a lot of mystical experiences as a kid. So I think it was more about, okay, back to where we started and let's go. I do, I'm a big advocate for plant medicine done correctly and in a sacred container and with the proper facilitation. I love to work with people in that and kind of help guide them through it and understanding that everything that you need is already in you. So you're on the journey of remembering. There's not a whole lot for you to really go out there and learn it's about going in and remembering and so that's really important who you do work with is important but i would say on the daily it's what is in your physical space that doesn't serve it's just as potent to take things out and simplify and purify than it is to put things in
1: absolutely i think that's really really powerful what you're saying because a lot of times people just want to, let's say, add or purchase things like just the quick way, like, what do I have to do? Like, what do I have to do without realizing that sometimes what needs to be done is like a cleanse, right? Like a, a clearing a removing of certain things. And, and it's interesting that you mentioned, sometimes it's relationships that block us or just cer whatever in our space that takes our energy, right? You talk about energy, do energy work. This is a lot of like, when you get rid of something that has been eating at you, that, that has taking a lot of, that is taking a lot of your energy. It feels like such a relief. So it, it makes sense that one of the first steps would be to like analyze our lives and say, what is it that I can remove from my daily, you know, uh, rituals or from my life in general that will create space inside me to be able to, um, to connect more to God and to source.
2: Sometimes it's technology too. I mean, we are here to connect with the technology within. So technology, it's like a double-edged sword. Sometimes it's great for connection and for expressing your message, but people can sometimes get consumed and completely disconnect with their own technology. And that's, that is something that we need to be aware of. Absolutely.
1: Sure. How, do you, how do you balance that, Salwa? How How do you balance like being connected and knowing that you have this like mission to like activate people and get them connected, but also know that you also need that space and time? How do you balance that?
2: I take social media cleanses. I used to take them every year for one to four months. Now I'm not quite in a place where I can do that and still successfully complete my mission, but I take days off days I won't open the app. And I used to get a little bit like, oh my gosh, are people going to think that I don't care what that, about their posts? Because, you know, it's this thing of wanting to support people and you don't just want to be the one getting support. And I'm just, yeah. I have to just shut it off and know that the energy, how I show up when I'm back is more than twice as powerful because it's not depleted. It's not coming from a place of trying. It's coming from an authentic place and it just takes an effort I would say take even one day off social a week and see how you feel, but really take it off. Like don't open the app. And I make, I enjoy it. I really do enjoy it. I I am not quite as hooked on it as other people though. So, but that's how I balance it. I take days off. It's important. And I also know, you know, maybe I can't take a day off, but for these three hours it's off and don't get in the habit of like, you know, phone out. People have this habit but they don't even know that they can't not check their phone. That's bad. That's not. And I don't like to say, use the word bad, but that is counterproductive to how you're supposed to connect. How often do you actually stop and close your eyes and see where you're at at like a soul level? Let's do that as much too.
1: Yeah, I love it. Now, when you were talking on your first episode again, you talk about like your journey at when motherhood came into your life, right? And it was at a time where you also felt like a deep calling for a mission, right? That you had here on earth. And one of the things that you loved and that you really wanted to pursue and, and, and create like, was uh, fashion design, right? And you wanted to create your your company. You know, you want to become an entrepreneur. And then at the same time, motherhood came in. And you're a mother of three. I'm a mother of three as well. So I think like mothers can really relate to you because like, wow, sometimes we see these women that are able to create amazing things. And they're also you know, full-time mothers are like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a big game. It's a lot. Sometimes we feel as moms and, and you talk about it, how you're wanting to put energy in something, but then motherhood comes in and it's basically, it takes precedent. It's basically like, nope, this is what you're going to do first. Right. Um, What advice can you give women? Because you've already sort of want, gone through it and are on, on the other side of it in the sense that you've already, you've been able to create a space for your business. Right. But there was a moment in time, what I heard was that you felt like it would never come to be. So like, what advice would you give those women that are in that space right now where they do have that deep sense of wanting to create, uh, you know, becoming an entrepreneur and at the same time juggle uh, the the motherhood
2: at the same time? That's a great question. Yeah. So for me personally, I did not grow up hearing the most healthy narrative on motherhood at home. I didn't. So I thought, I'm going to do everything I want to do first. And then I'll be a mom when I'm ready to give it all up and get fat. Cause that's just what I grew up hearing that. Like, I I love my mom and I love my family, but it just was not the whole mompreneur thing was not really supported. It just, it wasn't. So it was a surprise when I got pregnant with my first, I was in grad school for fashion design. I was so close to getting that dream job in LA, that dream, you no know, quotations because at the time that's what I thought I wanted. And My best advice really for mothers would be that you remember, and I actually recorded an episode on this, but I'm gonna like share it here because this is so on point. Um, The mom guilt thing, okay? But you have to remember and meet your child at the soul level, not the human level. Your child chose you for who you are in essence and at a soul level and your mission and purpose. They didn't choose you because you're on top of laundry or you make the best lunches. That is not why they chose you. So if you start losing yourself, to meet those earthly credentials and you start losing yourself at a soul level, at a purpose level, you're actually not honoring that child. You're not honoring their choice. So it's important to have that bigger picture, like the star view, you know, I zoom out and I see it from a whole other point of view where they chose me because they know what I'm here to do. Now at a, at a child level, human level, they're not going to understand when it's like Wednesday and they want to go play somewhere. And I have work to do. They might not get it, but at a soul level, they're going to thank me because I'm honoring that essence and that mission and purpose. And that honors their choice and why they chose me to be their vessel. So to have a bigger perspective and the moments where you feel like maybe you're not being the best mom, you actually are. You're being the best mom. Your child didn't choose you for your meatloaf or whatever you, other mom, whatever you think other moms are doing better and, you know, balance and making them a part of the journey. I love making my kids a part of the journey and they've gone to so many shoots. They get to hear what I'm working on. I asked for their opinion. I'm like, what do you think about this? Even with the portal cast? I mean, they were watching my episodes and I was like, guys, I don't know if I should cuss. And Jacob's like, no, mom, it makes you more relatable. I love it. And then Thomas gave his opinion. Like I make them a part of the journey so that they don't feel like I'm choosing that or them. They know this is, we're all in this together.
1: I love that. I love that. And like, and how do you now like translate your I guess your spirituality at home like how do they connect how do you have them connect to to source like do you have any like practices I know like I pray with my children before going to bed I I sort of teach them the you know the same prayers that I was taught when we have like a ritual going to bed what are the things that you do to sort of bring all of that that's so important to you to
2: them yeah so I actually do involve them in energy work sometimes at night when they're feeling a little anxious or scared. They ask for energy work. Like, mom, can you give me energy work? I'm not sleepy. And I just really, it's about having the outspoken expression of it and not expecting them to understand it, receive it, but just making it a part of them, their life. And a lot of kids are coming in with such more tapped in energy. And they're so much more ascended. I mean that this is a whole other topic, but that's why there's so much autism and ADHD because their kids are so high energy that they don't know where to channel it. So some of the most gifted kids are the ones being put on medicine, which is a whole other topic for me. But I think just having the conversation, not filtering, we don't need to filter just saying it or being like, I'm going to go meditate or I'm going to go off the grid. I don't give my kids like the entire story, but I'm like, I'm going to go on a spiritual retreat. I'm going to not, I'm not be off, you know, my technology because I'm going to be connecting with God and my guides and they're like, okay. So they start to understand these things and you know, they'll get more parts of the story as I feel they're ready, but I don't lie to them. And I find little ways to involve them. They see my altar. I'm like, you wanna put your crystals here for the full moon to charge them. And they're like, okay. Like I just find little ways to involve them and I make sure that I don't over-filter to the point that they're not getting the authentic me. I mean, how hypocritical if I'm all about authenticity, but my kids don't get the authentic me. That's not honoring them.
1: Absolutely. It's interesting how you say that, because I agree in the sense that kids are so much more tapped into that. And it's so much easier sometimes to talk to kids about spirituality and about God than it is to adults. Like my, my six-year-old, and this was, when was this? Like a couple months back. He just started talking to me about, how he talks to Jesus and how Jesus talks to him, which is really interesting. Because I was like, what? And I was like wanting to know more. I'm like, well, what does he tell you? And then he just starts talking, and it was so like natural for him, and it, yeah. he felt like. And in 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 my mind, I was like, wow, well, I didn't realize. I guess I I hadn't thought in my mind that I had spoken out about Jesus for him to know so much about him, but no, he was telling me about his own encounters and uh, about his own communication with him. And it just blew my mind. I was like, this is amazing how, how connected we are when we're little and how sometimes we are, are, are sort of pulled back from that, from the world, you know, and how we. Disconnect- their, veil,
2: their veil and their lens is so thin because they're so pure that they can just receive. So we kind of teach them to make it thicker and to, Discern more, so I mean, yeah, the fact that we think we can teach our kids about spirituality is sometimes funny because I'm like, they could teach us.
1: <laughs> That's so true. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, your your podcast. Now, you call it a portal cast. Tell us why you call it a portal cast in the beginning. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I. First of all, I don't like to do anything how anybody does it. I've learned that about myself. But most of all, I was chatting with my guys when they gave me this assignment. And I was thinking, I know so many amazing people such as yourself with podcasts. And I'm like, can I just be on theirs and support theirs? They're already kicking ass. Like, why do I need another? Like, why? And they kind of gave it to me in a much different picture where this is a portal of spoken activation and taking these big why questions and whines and transcending them into spiritual understanding that that's a portal because you're not going to leave the same way you entered. So can you do that? Like I can do that. So that's why it's a, it's a portal cast.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, And wine and spirits, obviously we're talking, a, it's a play on words, like mama's going to a play on words, but so it's spelled W Y apostrophe N And spirits, as
2: in real spirits, not like liquor spirits. W-H-Y. Like, why? W-H-Y. Yes. And And then the the, end because I'm like, yeah, wine. And also, like, the things that we whine about. Let's let's see how we can turn those into spiritual understanding and laughter and fun. And I got a great – I didn't know what I was going to call it. I think it was – I met you at the podcast movement. And I still – I wasn't clear, super clear on the vision. yet. I knew it was coming. But I was still, like, unfolding. And I was at the grocery store with my kids. And I was driving out of the parking lot and I saw a liquor store I'm like wine and spirits. Oh my God, that's it. And I asked the kids, I let my kids kind of channel for me all the time. Cause I will ask them like, Hey, what do you think? Don't think about it. This is you just channeling A or B and they give me B. So I'm like, what do you think of this? I'm like, yes, you have to do it. So that's how the name came and just kind of like, shut up. I'm like, okay. Yeah, that's, that feels right.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. So are you, um, now you consider a pot, your po- Portal caster. I guess that's what you are.
2: <laughs> oh, Portal caster. Yeah. the First one in Colorado, at least. I don't know where else there might be some.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, um, one of the things that I was thinking when I was preparing your interview is that more and more women, I feel, are lately stepping into like a, their divine power, right? Just in different mostly here in, in this country right now, I feel like more women are creating their own businesses, making more money. Um, you know, people that come to mind in like the music industry, for example, are women like like Taylor Swift, obviously, Beyonce. Women that when we look at, I feel like most of us are like, yeah, I think the reason we love them so much is because they, they envelop this essence of feminine energy that I think for such a long time has been stifled in society, right? Sort of we're stepping in and we're rising up. Um, I'm asking you a question through what you and this is, I guess, because you, you consider yourself the priestess of Jeshua. And I'm thinking about how you were saying that he was the person who would always be with the outcast, right? We think of Mary Magdalene, right? I was listening to uh, an episode recently about the Gnostic Gospels. Uh, and about how in the beginning of Christianity, women were very much a part, right, of Christianity. And then for some reason, you know, came up a time where we were sort of shut down, right? Sort of like taken out, like no, there's no priestesses obviously in the Catholic church. Um, Interestingly enough, then I went on vacation right now in Europe and I was seeing this movie on the French Revolution. And during the French Revolution, when they were taking out the monarchy, there were a lot of feminists, very strong women that were influential figures in the, the revolution of France. And then after the revolution came Napoleon, which was like basically a complete backwards movement in the female, yeah. <laughs> in the female space. Right? <laughs> and I guess where I'm getting to at is what is your perspective on Jeshua
2: and women? So Mary Magdalene was just as powerful as Yeshua. They both, they trained. They had the same teachings. They grew up in the practices three or four. Mary Magdalene had, she came from money. The the whole story in the Bible is, it's not correct. And I'm not afraid to speak up about it because I've done enough work and study and my own past life regression with lifetimes with Mary Magdalene. And I'm just like, we have it so wrong. She actually was part of his mission and it they were energy workers together and she had her own apostles. She had 12 apostles too. And the reason why this was shunned out of the Bible, the same reason that a lot of things were. I mean, I will drop this do some research on the Emerald Tablets if you really want to go into like this is information, like miles and miles of information stored under the Vatican that we don't have access to. And there's just so much that was shunned out women are an integral part the divine feminine in the rise of the divine is key it's life I mean Gaia look at the planet the planet is a divine feminine and that is what births everything and I think that the male power and ego thing right and I'm not talking about yes or anybody in particular but the history figures that kind of started filtering that out that was a whole movement that right now we are recalibrating. And that is why the rise of the divine feminine is important, not just for women, but for men, for men to heal the, the lineage of toxic masculinity and the shunning out of power. But Yeshua, Mary Magdalene and Yeshua were, they were equals and they were a mission together. And she was an integral part of him being able to do the energy work necessary to go through his master soul initiation through the crucifixion. And Like I said, she had her own apostles. She had family with money. So she was able to help. She was like his PR production, event production person, because he was able to go around and give these talks. And she was part of orchestrating that. There's so many things that aren't spoken about her. So Yahshua loves the children and he loves the women. (laughs) Like that sounds so bad, but understand that. And, you know, Christ's consciousness will come back with the divine rise feminine because that whole kundalini rising and the energy body awakening requires both energies.
1: I totally agree. I think it's so essential. And I I think that's why our work is so important as, as women, because there are parts of the world where unfortunately, and I feel very like strongly about this, where unfortunately that the female energy is repressed in such a manner that there cannot be peace because our energy is aesthetics. It's beauty, it's art, it's music, it's the receiving, which is another reason why I have a feeling that that's why women are sometimes there, you see a lot of women are very drawn to the space of pure spirituality because we have that that gift. Our energy is of receiving. And sometimes we're able to receive that those downloads faster <laughs> in a way.
2: Receiving, like, yes, uh, from the divine. But then in the earth, we turn into givers. We give life, we give birth, we give so much to our men. So I love that you brought up the receiving because it's as we get in touch with being comfortable receiving because we've given so much, that's also how we're going to recalibrate that energy. And for some reason, there's there's been so much guilt around women receiving. And I know for myself, when I stepped into the relationship I am now, receiving was a big part of it because I wasn't used to that. I was used to you know, being expected to do X, Y, Z at home, or if I wanted to have my business that was on me, that wasn't supported. And I was doing my work and evolving. And then I was sent a divine masculine that wanted to, you know, support. And I was having to learn to receive. And I realized it is so important that as this female empowerment movement is happening, that we don't become so hard and tough. And I got this, I'm woman, hear me more. that we actually receive because that heals this rise of the feminine too. We have to receive.
1: Absolutely. The yin and the yang, baby. I love it. Yes. <laughs> Salwa, tell us a little bit about your brand, your fashion design brand, a little bit about, about that, about where people can also find, you know, the things that you that you sell online because they're beautiful.
2: Yeah. Everything's on my website. I have, you know, i just kind of, everything's under my name umbrella. So I have some fashion collections there and I definitely am a little bit less into like seasonal and this I'm so pouring into my podcast my speaking my essential work my retreats that I feel like the fashion really served in my energy practice of like getting an idea and like bringing it to life but I don't foresee that being a huge part of where I'm growing now it it seems like I've kind of graduated from that so there is fashion and I would love to sell it so please go to my website because I have beautiful stuff there but where it's going I do feel like it's It's kind of completing in the way I was doing it because I'm stepping into work that is so much more impactful and aligned with my mission that if I was to keep pouring into that, I would be robbing myself and those that are ready to receive what I have to offer in the other areas, what is coming
1: it's interesting how you move, how your business has gone from like the inspiration of, I want to have a fashion design business, and then it goes and it becomes this transcendence into spirituality. Same thing with the other physical aspect, which is the dance and sort of that also molding itself into a spiritual entity of itself, which is the, d-
2: the divine sweat. Yeah, I think that the biggest gift of my fashion business was the journey of creating it and all the things that I was able to activate within me and learn. So if I go beyond the story of the fashion platform it's really my training and what I received and oh I'm so big into going beyond the story that's what the portal cast is about and so I think that I'm just kind of taking those same skills and manifestation all I learned so much about human behavior too oh my gosh and being in fashion and kind of observing people and being like wow that's ego no that's this like it was like a great learning ground and now I'm just like Evolving those skills into a different realm. And I'm super excited. I don't even, to be honest, I mean, I don't think about my fashion business that much. I, I could sit here and like pitch it, but I'm like, I don't even like, it's just like, oh yeah, I have a fashion business. <laughs> Good question. It's there. My last collection I love, it's Divine Rise and it's very goddessy, but I'm so focused on just getting on like, I mean, I'm going to say it, I want to be on big stages and I want to activate the masses. And that is not going to happen through clothes. That is going to happen through the energy of my words and energy work and whatever else wants to show up. I love it.
1: How do you stay connected to the fiercelessness in you? Cause I, you know, we have the Holy Spirit and you talk about the guides guiding you, but then sometimes, you know, our humanity sort of steps in, right? And we have our, like our fears that come in. So how do you how do you stay connected to the fiercelessness and to your authenticity?
2: Yeah, great question. So something that I say to a lot of my women and my activations that my guys always want me to remind them and I'm like this is kind of morbid guys but a lot of us that are here on a mission have already died trying to complete this mission several times and this is the lifetime where we get to complete it. This is such a pivotal time in life. We are really creating the new earth and so the fear that might arise it's good to acknowledge it but know that You've already been through the worst of it. This is the moment to really rise into that mission. So, my when I get my fears, they come more so from what if this doesn't succeed, quote unquote? What if this is not going to turn into a profitable anything? What if like such human things? And I'm reminded, if you want to do God work then you have to change your currency to be beyond this man-made currency and look at God-made currency and allow yourself the gift of the energetic currency that you're receiving. And if you're at peace with that, everything will follow. So I really do remember that I owe myself the opportunity to be here and fearlessly pursue this mission. I already died trying. I know it. A lot of us have. A lot of us women, even a lot of like, I'm sure, you know, podcasters, speakers, women are using their voice because we have been, burn at the stake. And we've been punished for speaking up. Like we, this is the lifetime where we're not going to play small or let fear come in because been there, done that, bought the t-shirt time to rise and put on that crown. So I, if my fear comes in, I give it love. I acknowledge it. I don't suppress it. I'm like, okay, why am I fearful here? What is the thing? And then I allow my guide to kind of give me perspective. And then I move and I'm like, I'm going to show that fearful. I'm going to show that fear, how much I love it. That I'm going to show it a new way. And move on to the next, but it is, a, it's a practice. It it's
1: is a practice. A pra- yeah. And what about fear of criticism? Cause I, it was interesting in your story when you talked about your first Dealing with like the haters, right? And you had an Etsy store where you were starting to sell things, and somebody put something online that that basically took that away, but it was like completely false, right? And you're like, wow, there's like darkness that's coming in here. How do you yeah. do? De- how do you deal with that? Because I mean, you have a lot of followers, so how do you deal with like any of the negative darkness and or haters online, any of that stuff?
2: Any tips yeah. there? So that Etsy shop being taken down, somebody saying my stuff wasn't handmade. I yeah, that was my first take of like, wow, there are people that are out there just, they just don't want to see you succeed. Like that sucks. It hurts. And I know I, as I grow, I'm like, part of me doesn't think that I'm big enough to have haters yet, but I'm sure they're coming and that's how I'll know I've made it. (laughs) So, you know, I, I have to remember, and I do remember because I know they're out there and I know sometimes it's even, we are human. So we get caught in our human mind. Sometimes I'm like, trying not to focus on the people that don't appear to support. But I think, why are they never engaging with me? Why can't they say congratulations when I share good news? Like I've done so much for them. I've been such a good friend. That's my humanist, right? I, have, I like, I catch myself and I have to remember that 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 is not why I'm here. I'm here to activate the masses. I'm not here to impress the masses and get validation, but I am also aware that they're coming and you know what? So many haters and so many critics, Yeshua. So I let that inspire me. I'm like, okay, I'm kind of signing up for it. And one thing that is important to remember is that if you are here to inspire, you have to honor the polarity of that, which is trigger. So until you are doing both, you're really not a balanced being, harmonizing the loss of the universe. So I'm like, okay, I inspire, I get messages about how inspiring I am. So of course I'm triggering some and maybe they'll start speaking up and I'll know I'm doing my job.
1: Just that's so interesting. Yes, that you're here to inspire, but that's also going to trigger people.
2: Absolutely. You can't have it just one way. I mean, that's how you know, how you know you're doing it.
1: <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Salva, for this interview. Tell people where they can follow you, where they can find all your stuff.
2: Yeah. So the easiest way to find me on Instagram, Salva Owens. Kind of hard to spell, but I'm sure you'll put it somewhere. And then from there, all like the wine spirits and divine sweat, Instagrams are linked. And my website, SalwaOwens.com, has all the things. So I think we'll keep it simple and just go Salwa Owens, all the things. Believe it or not, I'm the only one. Nothing was taken.
1: (laughs) Yes. And just so that you know, Mamacita, you can find all her links and you can also comment and send questions on this episode on mamasconganaspodcast.com forward slash 216 mamaskonganaspodcast.com forward slash 216. Thanks again, Sawa, you're a light. It was awesome to have you on here.
2: Thank yeah, you. thank you. I loved our conversation. Thank you so much. Great questions too. So good.
1: Thank you. Thank you. See you next week, mamacita.
0: Besitos. Mwah.